Hi, this is Andrea. And this is Fiorenza. Welcome to the Belonging Project podcast. We are so excited to have you here with us. The purpose of this podcast is to bring voices together to talk about belonging. Through inspiring real-life conversations with our guests, we learn about how belonging can show up in so many different ways, what it feels like to belong, and the impact of truly belonging. In each episode, we will offer you inspirational and practical strategies to find your true voice in your life, in society, and as a leader. Let's dive in. Our guest today is Anna Chen. Anna and I go back a few years. We got to know each other through our coaching work. Anna is a French-born Chinese living in France, in Paris. She launched last year the Instagram account called Etre Femme Asiatique, which translates in English to being an Asian woman, where she's sharing her experience as an Asian woman living in France. She talks about her struggles and inspirations about identity, racism, their relationship with Asian parents, the generational gap, cultural transmission, being a daughter of immigrants. She has gathered a thriving community of Asian women who are feeling heard and seen. She helps raise awareness and consciousness about matters that are felt, but not expressed enough, if ever, by Asian women. Her goal is to help Asian women own and understand their experience and find ease in the daily discomfort that is felt when you are an Asian woman living in a Western country. Dear Anna, thank you for being our guest. And we would like to start by asking you to share with us more about you and your story in your own words. Uh, first, uh, thank you, Andrea and Fiorenza, for inviting me. Uh, I'm so, so grateful for participating because belonging has a big, a kind of big topic for me. When you said the word belonging, I remember back then, a few years ago, and there was a book called The Belonging or something like this. I was yearning to read it, and I was like, there's really a big topic for me about belonging. Um, because belonging, it's uh, kind of like, if, in my own words, would be like feeling part of a group or feeling part of a community or feeling that you belong somewhere or to somebody or to, to a group of people. And as um, a person who is born kind of in a country where, you know, the physical appearance kind of always sets me apart, it's always question who, uh, if I belong or not to uh, mm -hmm. friends. And uh, even deeper within my uh, family, in my community, because I'm a person who is between uh, cultures, between uh, two, um, two countries, like my parents' country, China and France, I, I'm a blend and a mix of those two uh, culture. And I certainly belong to my Chinese family and to this French culture, but I've always in between. So I felt like there's this French expression called to have the us between two chairs, you know, like you're not really one on one chair or not on the other chair, but like you're in between as, as if you just don't belong to any other parts. And it's really uh, challenging for me because even my, in my own family, I've always felt like I'm the black sheep. I'm, mm. I'm different. I'm the rebel. I'm the one who kind of challenged the cultural tradition. So uh, 
even in my, in my own family, I didn't feel that I really truly belong. So it was really difficult for me to find my own place in the world, in my family, in my community, and in my uh, country. So I love this uh, topic. So thank you for having me. That's beautiful. Thank you for being here and for sharing all of this. So um, I'm curious, Anna, to know how uh, you share a little bit of now being in, this, in these two chairs and this special that you have now with your group uh, now that you create. What is that? these stories? What, what are the... Um, I don't want to call issues, but that you face it, situations that make you feel probably that you don't belong or maybe that even other uh, women or other people that have the same situation as yours. But actually, it's very subtle, uh, the things that make us feel as women, Asian women in a Western country that we don't belong. First, the most obvious thing is like our face, kind of like in a group of people in France, when you walk in the street, people kind of look at you or they kind of like always have this uh, thought that like, they always ask you like, where, where do you come from? Like, uh, when did you arrive? Uh, where were you born? We kind of like, they always have this underlying thought that you are not from here. Mm -hmm. And I just always want to tell them, but I'm French. I was born here and I studied here. I had the same cultural reference as you. I am French. And that's just by the fact that I have always the need to reclaim that each time I'm talking to a stranger, it's kind of like make me feel that I don't belong. Or they mm -hmm. kind of reflect it back. Mm -hmm. And it's like all these subtleties, like uh, you were looking for a job. They always like, you know, this, um, this, we call that microaggression, aggression, yeah. or they have these stereotypes about who you are as a person. You kind of like you're an Asian person. They think that you're good in math, or they think that you're more silent, or they think that you're, I don't know, you eat dog. Of and now with the COVID, that you have the disease. Like just mm -hmm. because of how you look, is it always sets you apart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we also, it's uh, it, the microaggression is something very important no and i say uh, we also talk about this with other guests that i say that um, thankfully in some way nowadays we can say this no uh, name this in a good way that uh, even with clients that uh, this exists and we can say not not just feel but uh, we can talk we can put some words on that exactly exactly and it's been, it's been, I think, a, a journey for me and in, in my work with, with some of my um, coaching clients to, to see how they were reacting to the microaggressions. Um, some people, you know, shared with me that um, so, someone they were working with maybe has said, you know, I felt that what you said there was a microaggression. And um, I, when I say it's a journey, because I think it needs, it needs self-awareness first to actually realize that what you're saying, maybe you had just you know, curiosity, genuine curiosity, whatever it is, but just being aware of the impact it can have on someone else um, 
you know, the, the tone or just the, the, the words itself that are being used in, in such a questions. And um, I think now having the, the words microaggression, I don't feel it, it existed a few, a few years ago. It wasn't discussed as much. Um, he is helpful. He is definitely helpful. Um, the question I wanted to ask you, Anna, is around this community of women that you have uh, created and that you are leading, what impact does it have on your own journey towards belonging? Uh, I love that question because um, I remember when you sh shared with me the, the presentation of um, the Belonging Project, you asked me, uh, you, it, there was the question about like share the first time you felt that you belong. And I, like I shared in the beginning, uh, it has big, been a big issue for me, the belonging Uh, sensation within me. I did. I felt that I didn't really belong in, in my family. I didn't belong in my, uh, in this country. Or like, I, I want to belong, but I kind of like this uneasiness all the time. This comfort, like, it just doesn't really work. And when I begin, uh, when I started this pro, uh, this Instagram page, I, I don't know. There was a spark of intuition that came to me that I needed to share that. And uh, I just decided to share my own experience. And as I shared through a post after post and after post, I kind of somehow gathered people who were like me, people who experienced some uh, experience, uh, some different experience uh, that was similar to mine, but not totally like uh, in parallel. Some of them, they were like, oh, it's, I felt the same too. Some of them, not really. And the more they shared with me, the more I shared with them, the more I felt that we belong and we had a common experience and it was amazing to feel that. And, I, you know, every, every time I publish something, there's always somebody who sent me a message. Thank you for sharing that. I feel less alone, kind of like they belong somehow. And it's the most common thing. They always tell me I feel less alone. And somehow I felt alone before and I, the each post makes me feel less alone, more belonging to this community. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's that's beautiful that uh, we I was also um, there is a video from Simon Sinek that I watched this week that he said that uh, we just um, not just but uh, there is this uh, when we are able to provide this service to others we are really fulfilled with ourselves not that too it's kind of like giving to others he, he also mentioned about the alcoholic people there is that the last step to be um, checked now they want is to help another alcoholic Mm. So the acts of service is now is the way that we can heal ourselves and fulfill ourselves. And you are the proof that you are doing this now in the this community that you are that you are leading. Here in the United States, I don't know if you heard there was this um, also this sad thing that happened with Asian American community a few weeks ago. And you mentioned about the, the, some issues now with the COVID situation in the pandemic with the Asian community. What is the message? What is the, um, 
what would you like to say? Let's say that we could now, if people could uh, hear now what's here in the bottom of your heart. Now I know how it is. I have talked with Asian American people. Being an Asian woman, we do this work, beautiful work that you are doing. What would you like to say to the world about what you Asian communities are living nowadays? Uh, it's hard to speak about that because actually, um, you know, now we are living in a time that we are so aware that there's a racism against Asian Americans or Asian in general in the world, mm -hmm. especially us who live in the Western world and people are like pointing fingers or people are beating us up just for me for no reason or for stupid reason, like associating us with the virus or blaming us being the scapegoat of that. And, uh, you know, for many, many years, I was not aware of, of the racism. There was racism. There was microaggression. There was that But like, because of this situation, it really brings this topic and it just like makes blown away. And like, I'm kind of like, kind of like mind, not mind blown, but like makes me scared, makes me like open my eyes on that, that on a topic that was not even, I was living with it, but not really, um, I was living in discomfort with it, but not being scared of the racism. Now today it, ha it makes me, It happens that when I walk in the street last time, I remember there was a guy just like crossing my road and having the image of all these things happening and um, all the things happening in the, in the world. And yeah, the other day I was walking down the street and there was this guy walking towards me and it never happens. And I never was scared in my life in France that I would be attacked because I look wow. Asian even though I had a mask and this was just a random guy. He was maybe in his fifties or forties and he would, he just looked at me and I'm like, Oh my God, he could punch me or he could attack me. You know, I never felt like this ever in my life. And for that reason. And uh, the thing is being a target for just being who we are is the most horrible thing. You just, yes. And it's like, blind. it's totally blind. You see the videos that it's a person walking down an elevator and the guy is just walking uh, down in an elevator with you. And he just begins to punch you because I don't know, he has a bad day. He just needs to blame Asian people. And us, we have no power about, about that. We didn't decide there would be a virus on the other side of the world coming from China. Not It's not made by Chinese or it's not a bomb that Chinese decide to put upon the world, we're just paying for something that we have no power uh, upon it. And we're just kind of like, we're, we're scared, but we just need to say that we are as people as other people, uh, other people. And, and it's really hard these days to yeah. realize that and yeah. feel this racism. Because when I grew up, I felt that somehow naively that racism, racist, people would be racist against me, let's say in the most, like the uh, African or Muslim. And I never thought that would exist for Asians. Mm. And it's weird to realize actually it does exist and it becomes crazy and it's violent. And it has no name and it's blind towards us nowadays. Yeah, yeah. and so sad thinking also that we are in the 2021, right? <laughs> with so many 
things that happen in the history that could be a lesson you know, uh, after wars and you now things that uh, we are still seeing this kind of situations that uh, is really upsetting for sure. Mm -hmm. Nobody needs to be in fear or being who we are. What tips would you give to someone who is really struggling right now, who maybe lives in France and is part of the Asian community? Um, yeah, just struggling because of all the events and all this racism that is maybe bursting um, these, these days. What, what would you say? Um, it's, it's kind of difficult to give tips because we're really in the middle and midst of it. For me, uh, what helps me is just to understand the, the mechanism of racism, to educate ourselves because, um, and not to watch too many of these uh, video, scary, scary videos, just feed itself, it just makes it crazy. Or if you feel like you're powerless, what can you do to make you feel less powerless? Can you, what can you, can you speak? Can you uh, educate others? Can you uh, go help another person who might be uh, in need as well? Uh, do you want to do some, any creative project to participate, to uh, give funds? Uh, if you're scared, can you be, uh, can you have people walking outside with you? Because like, it's okay to be scared. Mm -hmm. Um If, uh, and actually the confinement kind of helps because like, if you don't want to go out, everything's nowadays is kind of helping us not to go out. So it's okay. And um, if, you, if you're scared, you can talk to somebody, to a therapist, to your friends, to other people who are Asian like you. And there are some association as well who, um, who does a lot of uh, communication around that or come to kind of account like mine, talk to me, to talk to people who are experiencing the same. Together, we feel more safe. We feel heard and seen, and we are never alone, actually. Our community is very big, and we kind of like have this common shared uh, emotions together, and it's okay to, uh, to express the thing that we are uncomfortable with. Yeah, ask for help, right? <laughs> yes, yes. It's okay to ask for help. Changing a little bit, Anna, what is the most, um, like some cultural aspect uh, that you see now being in these two seats, now changing a little, a little bit more light here in the subject yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be some cultural aspects of being uh, in this uh, Asian, in the Eastern community, like in the France or um, no, in Europe, uh, I don't know, whatever comes to your mind in the cultural aspect that you see some cultural shock or something that uh, you, you integrate in your French, the French culture is now even parts of Anna, some of the cultural aspect that you see being in the two, two sides. Two sides. Um, they, they, when you talk about cultural aspect or whatever, integrated, there's a, I remember I wrote something on my Instagram page. You know, um, when I was growing up, uh, I, I lived and I watched the TV. I live in France and I celebrate the French uh, uh, traditions 
best thing for me even now is super important. It's the Christmas. Uh, in Christmas, that's decoration, people giving gifts and doing this. And actually, I discovered at only at age 20 how the French, white French people would celebrate Christmas. And uh, they would have the, you know, the long uh, uh, dinners or long meals with the family. They would have the starter. They would have this uh, uh, chicken or the... Um, and they, it would be big, they would eat for such long hours, they would have chocolates and all, they would have a big tree at home. It was, it was a real event, you know. And when I was at home, I remember at home and when I was growing up, and they were talking about Santa Claus, and they were like talking about this old guy coming through your chimney and like, giving you the present, you know, and like just the kids didn't know that he didn't exist, you know. And like, when I was growing up, I was like, come on. I didn't have a house. I didn't have a chimney. Oh, it was just like, in France, they are condemned. You cannot, uh, it's not open. And I was like, he cannot go through the chimney. There's no <laughs> it's closed and we don't have a tree. When he's, where will he put the, the present? And my parents would ask me like, what do you want as a present? And I would tell them. So there was, there would be no mystery, no like uh, Christmas magic. And I'm like, okay. and you, you would know. And I was a bit ashamed of that. I didn't have a, I didn't have that kind of like Christmas magic. And I remember in my account when I shared that, that like, oh, I didn't believe in, Christmas, uh, in Santa Claus and I didn't have a Christmas like they used to have. And I asked them like, what did you do for Christmas? And they would tell me the most heartwarming Christmas, you know, how the, the Asian culture and the French culture just blend. That they would say that I had like Vietnamese fondue and I would eat nem and I would have like uh, red envelopes. Usually you have red envelopes. And like the, every each of the, the experience they described, it was just for me so heartwarming because like for me, it was like not good enough the what I had. But actually it was mm. just a blend of those, the two cultures together. And I'm like, oh my God, it was not, not good enough. It was just how we take that culture hours and made hours and I'm like oh my god it's so great I want more of that kind of like cross-culture uh, traditions yeah, yeah. So, yeah. that's such mm -hmm. a wonderful story thank you for sharing <laughs> yeah and I mean what comes to mind is growing up in a multicultural family as well it took me a few years like when I was a child um, I didn't realize that some of the tradition that we had um, were just made up by my parents because they were like, oh, we like this from the French culture, for example, and we like this from the Italian culture, and then you're going to create something out of it. I, I, I had no idea. I thought that everyone <laughs> was having the same tradition. Um, and I probably spent my whole childhood like that. And then um, kind of going into the teenage years, <laughs> I realized it was a bit of a shock. Like, what? Like, you're not having that? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting, uh, even, yeah, I, I would, I would go one step further. It's fascinating how each multicultural family is bringing, you know, this blend of cultures, uh, in their home, what they mm -hmm. are creating with it, or maybe not creating with it, because maybe there's a tradition from your home culture that you doesn't resonate with you so you're mm -hmm. not necessarily going to model it for your kids or for your family and just it's just so fascinating to see how you just end up with so many different blends right yes. so many different possibilities and the beauty right of the blending 
right? Yes. It doesn't need to be this way or that way, but it could be. But actually, the way we made it makes it more diverse and more rich than just the, the uniform way of celebrating Christmas, the way you see it on TV. Like the way we celebrate it, like there's some men in it, there's some, I don't know, the Asian center. <laughs> it's like, it's so unique and so it's just our Christmas. And like me, I, I kind of developed some maybe shame of not having the normal one, but like, who cares in the end? But only now at age 37, I know who cares. But before when I grew up, I'm like, I want the same one as what it's normal to have, you know? Yes. yes. Yeah. And to, to go back to the, our, our main theme of belonging, what would you say, Anna, are the main factors for someone to feel like they, they belong? Yes, um, to feel that you belong is first to be uh, able to uh, be heard, to see that uh, who you are is accepted entirely and you don't have to feed in or you don't have to uh, do something especially or stretch yourself out of yourself to feel like you need to do something to belong mm. or uh, to have to uh, feel fulfill somebody's expectation mm. kind of like um like oh if it's conditional For example, my parents, they wanted me to marry a Chinese person. They wanted me to do this and this and that. I didn't belong because they didn't see me who I am. There was no place of, um, for me to be just me as a whole and, and true. So be, to belong is to be able to be true, authentic, and uh, to, to have no part that you need to hide or you cannot bring on the table. But for example, now I feel like I belong uh, in this community because every post that I post, it comes from this part of, uh, of myself that I used to be maybe ashamed of, I used, that I never talked about, or I felt like I had to hide it. But like now it's more like, what do I have in the drawer that I can bring on the table? And I'm like, mm. if I have ever felt it, that I was ever uncomfortable about, I can talk about it, even if nobody resonates with it, but nobody's going to judge me for that. It is like, this is the most amazing thing. And before that uh, Instagram page, I would be so scared to be judged. I would be so scared that nobody would understand me. And today is not the case anymore. And it's so freeing. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful words. No, nothing to add. Just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do the, our quick questions. So the first question is, in a few words, belonging for me is? Authenticity, uh, being true, feeling, being part of something and uh, being accepted and feeling loved and supported. Beautiful. The best advice that I've received and that I'd like to share with others is? I resonate a lot with this saying. I don't know if it's, I guess it's from Gandhi saying that my life is my message. It's kind of like uh, you have to leave what you, uh, what you want to preach. Kind of like you need to put in action what you believe in or you, what you're saying. And uh, for example, uh, I started my life change, uh, my 
my life transition, leaving my job that I didn't like or pursuing my dream because I don't know why I wanted, I, I didn't have any children at uh, that time. And I wanted to be able one day to tell my child, go uh, make your dream come true. And I couldn't say it if I didn't do it for myself. So I decided that second that I'm going to do it. So one day I'm going to be able to tell that to him or her at the time. So the last question is about the, the world being a, a better place. So the world would be a better place if? It's hard to answer because when I answer, I'm scared to be the next uh, Miss Universe. <laughs> no worries, no judgment here. No, 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 no. Uh, at the same time, you want to change the world, but at the same time, kind of like so many incredible things happened to me and I'm like, I needed that kind of experience to grow and to challenge myself, myself and to be exactly where I am now. So like, it's hard. There's probably a timings for, for things and just the, how they happened on your journey, right? Yes, because like when I, have, when I look at it right now, uh, with my community, even if it's really new and it's like uh, it can disappear from the, to, tomorrow completely, you know, it's okay. It just it's happened six months ago only. But before that, I was struggling. I felt alone. But like I'm really appreciative and I'm really grateful for that because for so long I was alone. Mm. Because for yeah. so long I was not understood and was not myself. I could have never said what I told you about belonging and being like deciding to take all the thing that was in the drawers, like talk about it. And yeah, I want to improve the the world in a kind of like, but because it was shitty at some point that now it's good. <laughs> <laughs> like we need the experience now. Yes. Through our experience, our own journey. Yeah. Even if it's yeah. difficult, it's okay because we're strong enough to face it. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you so much, Anna, for being Thank here you. with us. Thank you for sharing your story and everything that you share is so rich and powerful. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank you for asking all these questions. I cannot like say it by myself and it's because you really heard and understood what I was saying. Thank you for listening to the Belonging Project podcast. We hope you enjoy our deep dive into belonging and listening amazing stories from our guests. We'd love you to share about the Belonging Project with your friends and colleagues. And also, we'd be delighted to connect on LinkedIn and share more about our experiences. Thank you again and stay tuned for the next episode.